Hello everybody, my name is Hector and I am an alcoholic. Hi, How you all doing? <laughs> Pretty close, huh? <laughs> I, I want to thank Patty for asking me to come here at this beautiful conference. They are the most wonderful hosts I ever had. You know, I've been speaking for almost 30 years. They would just, you give the term sudden hospitality and you shine. You know, you were just phenomenal. Uh, what I'm going to do is, you know, do the steps like I've been taught the steps. And I did not do the steps like this when I got sober. I did it pretty much like uh, Chuck explained, you know, it took us like a half a day to do the steps. Because my sponsor, you know, was kind of, a, you know, that, that era we didn't do this kind of work. But I've taken Charlie and Joe three times, um, other workshops about the steps many, many times, and I developed a a way to work the steps, it takes me about between three months to six months to take somebody through the steps. It's a process, okay? But I didn't do it like that when I got sober. I learned how to do it, you know. Also, Joe Hawk. Anybody knows Joe Hawk? Yeah, yeah okay. I took his, you know, I, I, I read. Clint Hodges, also my, one of my teachers, Clint Hodges, Joe Hawk, Charlie and Joe. And I read a great deal of spiritual literature. So when I start with the guys, and I sponsor some women too, you know, and uh, they're more difficult. You know, women are more difficult. <laughs> guys, you say, do this, and they just do it. And the way, way now, nah, why, Hector, do we have to do this? <laughs> uh, when I start, because we hear a lot of BS in AA, you know what I mean? I just hate BS. I think this is a phenomenal spiritual book. It's a masterpiece. The first 164 pages. You know, I've done a lot of spiritual studies for the last 10 years, and I've read dozens and dozens of spiritual books. Everything I learned in those books is here on the 164 pages. This is a masterpiece. Alcoholics Anonymous is the most copied program in the entire world. You know, and it's because the man who wrote this, Bill Wilson, I think he was really illuminated. You know, I always say he held the pen and God moved the hand. Because he had only three years sobriety when he wrote this. I get goosebumps. And when he wrote this, you know, somebody with three years sobriety who was in love with money could not write a book as deep and profound as this is after 70 years. Okay, so when I start with the guys, the first thing I, um, I share is a page that I give them to them with some definitions, you know, that we have in Alcoholics. What is Alcoholics Anonymous? Because there are all kinds of garbage going around. And this is what Alcoholics Anonymous is. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other. They may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. We share our experience, strength, and hope. We do not share our stupidity, weakness, and despair. You know, there are three positive things, experience, strength, and hope. What is an alcoholic? Because I hear things in Alcoholics Anonymous, things like, well, in Alcoholics, you have people who cannot get in touch with their feelings. Don't worry about getting in touch with your feelings. Your feelings will get in touch with you, you know. So what is an alcoholic? We alcoholics are men and women who lost their ability to control their drinking. You can be a thief, you can be a, a, a miserable person, you can be angry, you can be depressed, you can have no self-esteem. But unless you have this, unless you lost your ability to control your drinking, you're not an alcoholic. That's what makes us different. Okay? 
What is the main problem of the alcoholic? Page 45. Powerless. It says, page 45, lack of power. That was our dilemma. Lack of power. What is the solution? The same page, 45. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Mind you, it doesn't say your alcoholic problem. Your problem. Any problem. God is a solution to all my problems. God could and would if he was sought. Okay? So, where do, what is the solution? Well, higher power. Where would you find this higher power? Because, you know, when I came here to AA, my God was floating somewhere around in the sky, and you know, with a long white beard floating in the sky. But this is what the book says, you know. Where do we find this higher power? We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. Wow. So God is inside of me. And of course he is inside of me because he created me. This is what it says in the next line. Where are we? This is from the big book, page 28. All of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of the living creator. Page 28, big book. Okay? That means that all of us are children of God. And if God created me, God's DNA is inside of me. Like if you really give birth to a child, your DNA is going to be inside of that child. So God's DNA is inside of me. And all the affable qualities that God has, I have. Because I'm his child, and I did not know that. What will you find by working the steps? Who you are. And this is the way the book says it. One, page 158. But he had found God, and in finding God had found himself. Nothing could explain me more beautiful than the way Chuck did it this morning. Remember when the, the judge says, that person was not you? This person is you. So this is an inner journey. It's a spiritual journey from the Hector that I created based on fear, lacking everything, full of fear, to the Hector that God created, which is whole, complete, and needs nothing. And he gave us a perfect example about who he thought he was to what the judge says, no, that was not who you were. This is it. This human being in front of me. That was beautiful. What is God? Oh, what are the 12 steps? The 12 steps are spiritual tools to develop a conscious contact with God. And in doing that, the obsession with alcohol will be removed. 12 and 12, page 32. This is what on page 32 says. The fact was we really had not cleaned house so that the grace of God could enter us and expel the obsession. Therefore, we remain self-deceived and so incapable of receiving enough grace to restore us to sanity. That means they had to clean, I think Dr. Bob said in three sentences, know God, clean house, help others. So I had to clean house, I had to clean this. Because I, so I become a channel through which God can shine. Because I on myself have nothing. I don't have any power. And then he did it even simpler. Dr. Bob said that the problem can be summarized in two words. Love and service. Love is God. Service is God in action or God made visible. 
love and service. Okay? And what is God's grace? The big book doesn't say. The 12 and 12 doesn't say. So I had to do my research. And what I found out is God's grace is an unmerited gift. Okay? It's God's DNA eternally reverberating inside of all of us. Basically, God's grace, the power, the love of God inside of all of us. And I came to believe that God doesn't love me because I am good. God loves me because he or she is good. I did not know that. You know, and basically we do the same thing that God does with the newcomers. When a newcomer walks through the door, you know, he says, well, I just got out of jail. I robbed 15 banks and I killed, you know, my mother-in-law. But I did 30 years in jail. What do we say? Welcome, you're one of us. Come in, here's coffee and cookies. Later on, we'll take you out to lunch. <laughs> Forgiveness, that's what we practice. And we love them until they get better. Okay? And that's what does, God does with us. He loves us until we get better. Look, love is the most powerful spiritual remedy for any disease. Okay? What is the spiritual principle? You know, we hear spiritual principle here and there and there, you know. But what is the spiritual principle? I had to do some research. And I was told that a spiritual principle is an undeniable truth. All spiritual principles are absolute. Example, love, peace, kindness, service, joy, prosperity, harmony, abundance. All of them are absolute. Okay, it could also be said that all these spiritual principles are God's divine qualities. And I did not know that. And this program is based on spiritual principles that we had to practice in all our affairs. And what is a spiritual experience, you know? And we talk about a spiritual experience. I think one of the speakers mentioned it. I think it was Don. But here we have a definition because our big book really tells us everything. It says, page 570, most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. And page 570, I have the third edition, I don't know the fourth edition, okay? So this awareness of a power greater than ourselves, that's, I have to be, I have to always remember that whatever I am, God is. Because the book says deep down inside of me, that's where God is. So whatever I go, God is with me. And it's my, my task to remember that. You see, God did not lose my file. He knows where I am. You know? So it is my job to make a conscious contact with the indwelling power of God. And I did not know that until you really, really helped me with that. Anyway, I'm going to go through the steps. And remember, whatever I said is just my experience. This is what I believe. This is what I practice. This is what I try to teach the guy I sponsor. You may disagree with it entirely, and that is okay. Okay? But this is what I've been taught. Um, the first steps, it, it's the, this is the only one that has to be really practiced 100%. We don't drink or use no matter what. The, the rest, the rest 11, the, the, the rest, the other 11 steps are spiritual, is, is, is spiritual ideals, spiritual ideas, but nobody can practice them perfectly. As hard as I tried, I couldn't. 
Okay, so the first step involves discussing and studying the following chapters. The preface, forward to the first edition, forward to the second edition, forward to the third edition, chapter one, Bill's story, chapter two, this is solution, and chapter three, more about alcoholism. Okay? See, when I, when I do other uh, workshops, I have all, like, I give about seven sheets of all this information, and this time I didn't have the time because last Sunday was my birthday, and I had 80 people in my house, and I had to cook for all those people. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Okay, the, the, the work I do involves writing exercises, you know, and it's important to do the work with a dictionary. Every word that the person I'm working with doesn't understand, he has to look it up in the dictionary. Now you have a computer. Tick, 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 tick. Look it up in the computer. I'm going to give you a piece of information. If you don't have it, this is phenomenal. If you have a computer, go to silkworth.net. How many people know that? Three, three. Anything you want to know about Alcoholics Anonymous is there. And they have a section that's called 164. You want to know any word, let's say powerless. And you, you know, you type powerless. And it shows you every single sentence in the big book in 12 or 12 where that word is mentioned. You say home or God or anger. And it shows you everything. It's a concordance, but now it's a digital, what do you call it? It's a computer concordance. Remember, I have the actual concordance. Remember that, that people put it out? You don't need that. You need a cheap computer, you know. And you, do you remember Dr. Silkworth? Silkworth.net. Not .com, but .net. Okay. Um, okay. The four words of the first edition, I'm not going to talk about the preface. We Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women, that's a lie, they were not 100, who have recovered, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. Okay? One of the things that's big discussion in AA, you know, I'm recovering, no, 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 go to... Silkworth.net and type recovered. It's 27 times in the big book. It'll type recovering, I think, is three times. And before we stop in the front page, what does it say here? This is the first implied promise in the big book, right? The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Okay? If you have two days without drinking, you've been recovered for two days. To stay recovered, you had to keep doing what you've been doing up to now, okay? And also here says, you know, I'm not going to make it in 45 minutes. I, I know this. Now, <laughs> none of us makes a sole vocation of this work, nor we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. And, and also says, um, basically what it says is, people that AA is my life, I honor and respect that if you say that. But to me, A is not my life, nor do I ever want it to be my life. A is my way of life. I don't live in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a life where I carry these principles there. Because some people, I remember this guy when I was new, said, oh, I still go to 13 meetings a week. You know, he had 23 years. 
And I thought, this is mean. Okay, I said, get a life. You know what I mean? 23 years, you still go to 13 meetings a week. Get a life. You know? It's like a friend of mine once did 36 uh, conventions in one year. A four days a convention. It's about four months. Right? So, no, I adore AA. AA is my number one priority. But it's not my life. It's my way of life. It's a blueprint for my life. And I was told it's okay to give AA only 10% of your life. Make sure it's the first 10%. Because the better I do the program, the more connected I'm with you, I'm a better father, a better husband, wife, uh, uncle, son, boss, or employee. Okay? Because I carry this these teachings into my, my life, okay? Forward to the second edition, it talks about Abby Thatcher, Dr. William Silkworth, who was the first doctor in, in America who said alcoholism is a disease. And it was such a radical, radical term that he didn't assign his, uh, the book with his name. And the second edition, he did it. Okay, uh, forward to the third edition, talks about increasing of the fellowship, the doctor's opinion, okay, um, uh, talks about the allergy and the mental obsession, okay. So, and then we come to the first writing assignment, which is on page 28 with numeral, uh, Roman numerals, I think it is. Right, uh, Silkworth described five kinds of alcoholics. One, the psychopath. At the pages 28 to uh, Roman numerals, okay? At five kinds of alcoholic. The psychopath who are emotional unstable and who are familiar with, we are all familiar with this type. There's two. There is a type of man who's willing to admit that he cannot take a drink and so on and so forth. Three, there is a type that always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. Four, there is a manic depressive who is perhaps the least understood by his friends. Five, there are types entirely normal in every respect, except in the effect that alcohol has upon them. So what you had to do, what I asked you guys to do, is write each one of the sentences and write two or three sentences underneath this, how to see how you relate to each one of these kind of alcoholics. What we're trying to do is to prove that you're really basically an alcoholic, okay? So, and then we come to Bill's story. Um, the important thing about Bill that I, that I really, uh, what you call it, um, learned by studying him and reading. By the way, there's a wonderful book, if you don't have it, is, as, um, the one by Susan Shiver. What is it called? Uh, well, I don't remember that. Uh, it's, I'm seeing a, Susan Shiva wrote a, 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 the most incredible biography. Uh, um, no, 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 no. It's a new, it came out about four or five years ago. It's a phenomenal book, and it's, uh, it's an incredible book, and it really talks about Bill in detail. All the love affairs he had, all the mistresses he had, all the shrinks that he saw, all the problems that he had in detail. And after reading that, I love him even more. Because with all these problems, he was depressed for 11 years, 1944 to 1955, and he was able to do all this. I, I cannot remember. 
something with Bill. Okay, but it's a phenomenal book. And 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 what we the thing about Bill Wilson, which is really phenomenal, he was a man who really had a thirst for money. He really was obsessed with money. This is what it says, page one of uh, uh, Bill's story. I fancy myself a leader. My talent for leadership, I imagine, would place me at the head of vast enterprises which I would manage with utmost assurance. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. And he really achieved that, not in the field that he wanted to, not in Wall Street and the spiritual way of life. And he became a giant in the world because the book that he wrote, Alcoholics Anonymous, changed the world. When Time Magazine, in the year 2000, selected the 100 most important people of the century, they chose Bill Wilson as one of the most influential men of the century. They put Einstein on the cover. I personally think Bill Wilson should have been on the cover, but I'm biased. Okay. So, and, um, and the book also says, says, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And they have a test. If you don't believe that you're an alcoholic, the book gives you a test. Page 31. They have a test, okay? A step over the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try, try to drink and stop abruptly. And then he says, try it more than once. So if you don't believe in alcoholic, here's a test written by Bill Wilson. Now, this is the last written, um, what you call it, the, right, the last written assignment that I give the guys. Write ten things, ten unmanageable things that you did when you were drinking. Ten. Okay, if you cannot make ten, make eight. I'll tell you some, some of them. I punch in the I was punching the, I got into a fight with this guy. He happened to be a professional uh, uh, boxer, and he punched me with my glasses on, and he cut my face. Okay? And then I got really upset that I was in a bar. So I got a prop gun that I have in my house. I'm going to shoot you, all of you, mother so-and-so. And I'm walking outside the bar and cursing them with a prop gun in my hand. And I didn't think my life was unmanageable when I came here, okay? One time I was very depressed and I was waiting for the bus and the bus didn't stop. So I ran to the corner because the bus stopped at the corner because of the light and threw myself in front of the bus. <laughs> it was very dramatic, very dramatic. I used to crawl around my apartment, this beautiful apartment I had in Manhattan, and crying and asking God to kill me. I used to call my family in Argentina at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and tell them I was going to kill myself. And this was a child that everybody adored, from all my sisters, all my mom adored me, and I called them, and I had no idea that I was really torturing them. So you write those ten things, you know, ask your sponsor to write and come over and share it with you. So by the time you do all the writing, all the studying, you definitely know that you're an alcoholic and your life is unmanageable. Okay? Now we come... So the step one says I have a problem. The step two is a solution. Oh, by the way, each step is based on a spiritual principle, right? The first step is based on, step one is on honesty. 
The step two, the spiritual principle is hope. Okay? And this, the one, step two is we agnostic, chapter four, we agnostics, you know. And basically, we agnostic says, you know, you better change your mind. Is that, that's simple, you know, you better change your mind. So, and, uh, this is where step says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So what is sanity? And if it's sanity, how does it know? What is insanity? Sometimes in AA we define insanity, you know, as doing the same thing, expecting a different result. But here we're going to do an exercise, which is on page 52, which is called the list of bedevilments. Bedevilments mean confusions or torments, okay? And there are eight of them. And one, not one, we were having trouble with personal relationship. Two, we couldn't control our emotional natures. Three, we were prey to misery and depression. Four, we couldn't make a living. Five, we had a feeling of uselessness. Six, we were full of fear. Seven, we were unhappy. Eight, we couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. So we write each one of those, and underneath we write two lines or three lines, see how we relate to that. Uh, we were having trouble with personal relationship. What personal relationship? I have none. Like somebody, I think the, uh, the Alan on speaker said, a two-day relationship for me was a long-term relationship. For me, a one-night stand was a long-term relationship, you know. So, I mean, I had no relationships, okay? Two, we couldn't control our emotional natures. I remember getting, getting angry in Hollywood Boulevard sometimes you know, um, honked his horn at me. I got my baseball bat out of the car and I chased him on Hollywood Boulevard. So obviously I had, you know, I couldn't control my emotional nature. So so you had to write the eight bedevilments, which are on page 52. I just read it for you. And write how you relate to each one of those. Okay. Okay, so that is called untreated alcoholism. That's called insanity. Okay, now you want to see what your sanity looks like opposite to each thing that you wrote, that you write the complete opposite. We were having trouble with personal relationships. So what would be the opposite of that? You know, I would like to have a loving relationship with my wife, with my children, with my neighbor at work. That would be the opposite, right? The second one, we could control our emotional natures. I chase somebody with a baseball bat on Hollywood Boulevard. What would be the opposite of that? I like to really respond to challenging situations, not to act like a crazy person. And you go through all the eight of them. So on this column... You have all the untreated alcoholism, all the crazy things you did on this column... You have your ideal life, what you really would like your life to look like if you work the steps and say in Alcoholics Anonymous. So now we understand, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So this column is the sanity, the ideal life, okay? Okay. Now, I did this. This is a metaphysical chart for God. Okay, not a religious God, not a Buddhist God, not a Christian God, not a Muslim God. God, as you understand him, okay? The book talks about, God, you know, the disease has three components to it, right? 
is spiritual, mental, and physical. Okay? Those are the three layers, really the triune uh, qualities of God. Spiritual is God. The mental is the mold or matrix. And, and the physical is what happens when we have... So uh, let me see if I can explain this because I'm a little out of uh, breath. It's the journey from the invisible to the visible. And the book says the same thing. The, the main problem of the alcoholic centered in his mind rather than in his body. Why does he say that? Because everything that we put in here will manifest in my life. If I'm saying all the time, life sucks, I'm never going to achieve anything, I'm a piece of garbage, my life is so depressing, I hate the world, I hate the city, what do you think kind of life I'm going to have? What's going to happen in my life? So whatever I put in here, in the mental, which is the mind, right, this will make it happen. See, the universe is my slave. But if I say, no, life is wonderful. I live in America, the greatest place in the world. You know what I mean? I'm surrounded by trees. I'm sober 20 years. I have friends. That's what's going to manifest in my life. So these are the three stages of you know, spiritual, mental, physical. Okay? So whatever I put in this, we call the mold or the mold or the matrix or the creative medium. Whatever goes in here will manifest in my life. It will manifest in a body form, in a matter form, in the conditions of, of form. In some way it's going to manifest. And the great master said 2,000 years ago, you know, as a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. 2,000 years ago. We said, in, in AA we said, the main problem with the alcoholic center in his mind rather than his body. Okay, that's what they say. Think, think, think. That's what we do. We never think about what's wonderful in our lives. We always think about what's wrong in our lives, right? So, I had a great deal of problem with the word God, and perhaps the most difficult word, that really the one that blocks us from God is the word God, because we all have religious experiences, you know, of a punishing God. We're going to go to hell. And whatever you do, you're going to pay for it. Did you notice that the big book doesn't talk about a punishing God? What is it called? A loving God, as he may express himself in the group conscience. The big book also doesn't talk about hell, does it? Can you tell me what passage about hell is in the big book? So if you don't do the works, the steps really well, you're not going to hell. You may drink, or you may have to do it again. But you see, this is a loving God. And I have found out that God doesn't punish me. The action that I take, if I steal $10 from you, that's my punishment. Because now I had to live with it. You see, God is a loving God. And he loves me no matter what. Because suppose that God loved only the good people. None of us would be sober here, right? <laughs> so God loves us. Not because we are good, because he is good. So in the definition that I found that really helped me was by Joel Goldsmith that I read a lot. I love him. I need a, a, a tissue something because I'm perspiring, so if anybody has one. Um, and the, the definition that he gave... Uh, 
was whatever concept of God you have, no matter how high the concept, it is wrong. Because still a concept. Eventually you had to lose all concepts and reach the consciousness that God is. And then leave the subject alone because with the mind you're never going to understand what God is. How can I understand a spiritual entity like God that takes care of six, six and a half billion people at the same time? How can I understand that? When the great theologians and the spiritual authorities have not been able to do it for 2,000 years. Thank you. Have, you know, how can I define God? But what you told me, it's not important for me to try to define God. It's much more important for me to see God in everything and everybody. That's what's important for me. Because I really cannot comprehend God. But somebody also said, you know, for those who believe in God, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't believe in God, no explanation will ever be sufficient. I believe in God. I'm lucky. Okay, now we go to, so now we know we have a problem, one. The solution is God. Now in three, we're going to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Okay? Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. What is my will? My will is my thoughts. Remember what the the great teacher said. As a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. Thoughts are things. Think about it. The clothes you're wearing, your shoes, this the seats are you sitting on, this building, your jewelry, your pen. Everything started with a thought that was taken to its final fruition. Thoughts are things. What is my life? My life is my actions. The sum total of my actions. I think Emerson said, your actions speak so loud, I cannot hear what you're saying. So I had to turn my will and my love, my will and my, um, my turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Okay, so it's my thinking and my action. How do I do that? By working the rest of the steps. Okay? And here's the way that Bill Wilson did it. Okay? It's on page 13. Okay, there I humbly offer myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I place myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that that on myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's the big, Bill Wilson did it, okay? And the book says on page 93, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Okay? So, we're going to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. We thought on page 63 it says, We thought well before taking this step, making sure that we were ready and that we could at last abandon ourselves to him. Are you ready? Or are you still doubtful? Discuss and reflect with your sponsor the three pertinent ideas listed in the big book on page 60. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our lives, step one, untreated alcoholism. B, that probably no human power could have relieved alcoholism, step two, only God could. 
and see that God could and would if he were sought. Step two, God is our solution. After that is resolved, and after you discuss that with your sponsor, then you can do the third step prayer. And what is important about the, step, the third step prayer is, God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thy wilt, as you want. To relieve me of the bondage yourself, not to get a better girlfriend or a better boyfriend or a bigger car or a bigger house, right? Relieve me of the bondage yourself that I may better do thy will, that I can be of better service to you. Take away my difficulties for what? So that victory over them may be a witness to those I would help not to get more money, not to get rich. I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Remove all this garbage from my life so I can serve you better. That's what the third step prayer says. It's a profound step. A big book says, next we launched on our curse on on a curse, on a course of vigorous action. The first step is personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. Now we are ready for step four. And uh, I wish I, I, I would have known, but I, I, I can email this. And you see, this, this inventory this is a resentment. This is fear inventory. And this is... Sex inventory. And we had to do the three inventories. Actually, I have it in a way that if I email it to you, you just click and get copies of it. Okay, so if you're going to be the UK. So um, we had to get rid of the character defects, you know, that really blocked us from the power of God. Then the spiritual principle, step four, is courage. It takes a great deal of courage for step four to do a step four, you know. Step four is like an x-ray of our disease. Okay? See, we have to clean, cleanse ourselves inside. We have to cleanse ourselves. We have to get all this garbage out of our lives. Otherwise, God cannot use us. Remember that the prayer, St. Francis' prayer, God, make me a channel of thy peace. Make me a channel. If the channel is blocked, I cannot, of any, I cannot be of any use to God. So I had to get, remove all my resentments, you know, all my fears, and all the problems I have with sex. Okay? And they are sex explanatory. This, everything is written in these three formats are really basically from the big book. Okay? Um, and what is resentment? It comes from the Latin sentiment, sentimiento, feeling. Okay? Resentment means refeel. And resenting somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It always kills me. You see? And people who keep resentments inside of them eventually manifest some kind of killer disease. Angry people. See, the body reacts really in a molecular way. Whenever you're angry, actually they can measure now that your body reacts to every feeling that you have inside. That's why people, more and more, we ask business people, type A personalities, to do meditation. Calm down. Stop. You're not have, you cannot go anywhere. 
You're already there. You know what I'm saying? You are already there. Remember what the master said, be still and know that I am God. He doesn't say run around like crazy talking on the phone, eating a sandwich, text messaging and know that I am God. You know? <laughs> be still. Be still. Be still. Okay? So now we go to step five. I think I'm going to make it. Uh, I asked my friend when I was going to hear my first fifth step, I called my friend Ralphie, you know, my, my, my sponsor said, Ralphie, what do I do? What do I do? And this is what he said, okay? Act interested and don't fall asleep. <laughs> you know what that is? Because we all more or less have done the same thing. You know, like, um, remember, the, the, everybody knows about the, the chicken and the sponsor the joke. Uh, well, the guy doesn't want to see. It's a little risque, but it's not bad. This response is, I did something I want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. I said, oh, come on, tell me. I'm not going to judge you. I said, well, I had sex with a chicken. And he says, did yours die? <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny way of saying we all did more or less did the same thing, Okay. Some guidelines I took from the, okay, I admitted to God to our, oh, this is the step five, the spiritual principle is integrity. I admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. These are some of the things to consider before doing the fifth step with your sponsee, okay? These are taken from the book. Find a very quiet, comfortable, and peaceful place. No phones of any kind. Be prepared to spend a few hours together. Remember, the fourth step is a list, not a novel. Okay? You may choose to start with a five-minute meditation followed by the serenity prayer. You may choose that or you may not. Okay? Uh, where am I? Reassure your sponsee about the confidentiality of the procedure. Tell him or her that you are honored to hear his or her fifth step. Ask him or her to list some assets along with his character defects. While he or she does that, the sponsor will be writing down some names while hearing the fifth step. These names will be added later on to the eighth step amends list. Reveal some of your own character defects while listening to his or her list. But please, do not make an experience about you. It's about him or her, okay? Don't start talking about you all the time. Remember, we're supposed to listen. Explain why it is considered best to do the fifth step with your sponsor. Because you're creating a long-term relationship with him or her based on truth. Also tell the sponsee that there is only one exception. And listen to this. If there are some criminal activities of, or some activities of criminal nature in his or her past, perhaps it's best to share those with a lawyer or clergy. Because the fifth step is not legally protected in case of summons for a trial or an investigation. So if you kill somebody, right? You better go and talk to your priest or a lawyer. Get it off your chest. Because if you tell... Well, I'm a minister, so I could also say, refuse to reveal. But if somebody is not a minister or a lawyer, if you tell her that you killed somebody, 
if there's some problems and they summon her, she had to tell the truth. She's not protected. Think about that, okay? But that's the only exception. Most of us have not killed anybody. <laughs> the fifth step requires a lot of humility because it's an ego-crushing experience. But at the same time, it can be very liberating because you have no more secrets. Very liberating. Remember? We walk around like this with all this junk we had. Here, boom. You have it, okay? Explain to your sponsee why it is important to write, write it down, read it himself or herself, and then perform the more humbling experience of telling everything to somebody else in one session, which is very different than what you did with your therapist or psychiatrist. With your therapist or psychiatrist, you revealed your problems as they came up over a long period of time, sometimes years. Here you had to do it all in one session. It's very, very humbling. Okay, I remember when I did it. I, I drove to uh, Ralph's, you know, um, house and I said, if he smiles when I'm saying this, I'm going to punch him in the mouth. And he doesn't pay attention when I'm saying this. I'm walking right out. You know, oh, you know. He just, uh, he said to me, I said, Rafi, you still love me? He says, Hector, now I love you more. Because you don't have to pretend to be perfect. That was his answer. Okay? Okay, step five is now completed until we go home and do step six. Now, when we are talking about only looking at our part, right, and whatever problem, except, you know, why? It's not because we are not saying that the, that the other person did was right. We are saying that that is not our problem, what they did. It's only our problem is what we did, okay? We don't look at this side of the street, we say in AA, right? Step six, spiritual principle is willingness. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step six should be done immediately after finishing step five. Step six basically has to do with willingness. What are the main character defects in my life? What am I willing to do have to have the character defects removed from my life? And you know when you're going to let go of the character defects? When you stop enjoying the effect that you get from the character defects. Jack Kissel told me that. Yeah, I'm pompous with you because I like to look superior and sound superior. When I stop enjoying that garbage, I'll be kind and loving to you. When I stop enjoying being right and doing what I want, you know, I'll stop practicing the character defect. I enjoy them too much. You see? So I'll let go of them when I stop enjoying the result I get from them. Okay? I want to say something else. It's very important to me, at least. Character defects, shortcomings, sins, they're all the same thing. Okay? Sin is an old, old, um, I think it's Greek expression that means missing the target. That's what sin, sin means. Missing the target. That's all it means. It's not really a religious uh, word. Okay? But it's all the same thing. The 12 and 12 tells us that this step separates the boys from the men. And we can't practice these steps perfectly 
but we can practice it with courage and discipline, striving for the ideal of a complete readiness. Therefore, step six becomes a lifelong task, pursuing the perfection that is God. And remember, trying to be perfect is a desire for failure. Because we can never achieve perfection. Only God is perfect. It's spiritual progress, not perfection. Remember, a desire for perfection is a desire for failure. Because there is no ten. Okay? Actions to take the step. After doing a step five, we return home and find a quiet place. For an hour, we sit quietly and review what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our hearts for knowing him better. We look at the 12 steps in the big book on page 59. We carefully read the first five steps. Have we omitted anything? Is our book solid so far? Is the answer is a positive one. We are now willing to have God remove all the character defects that, we, that have blocked us from the sunshine of the Spirit. We still cling to something with some character defect. We discuss this with our sponsor. Then we pray for willingness. Now we proceed to step seven. I went only five minutes over. We're going to stop for ten minutes and then we finish the rest six, the other six steps. Thank you for listening. God bless you.